welcome to Energy Oracles. I'm Paul Hicken, Editor-in-Chief at Petroleum Economist, and I'm joined by Ole Hansen, Head of Commodity Research at Saxo Bank. Oil markets are gripped by macroeconomic concerns, geopolitical risks, and supply-side tightness, raising questions as to what normal and balanced markets are supposed to look like, and what drivers are really at the wheel. Hi, Ole. Hello, Paul. Great to be on. Ollie, if I could begin with, with this kind of driver situation in the market between the macro, the macroeconomic concerns and inflation on one side and the micro concerns, the economic fundamentals like US stocks and other things the market looks at. How do you see the interplay between the drivers? Well, that's a very nice and very broad question, Paul, because obviously what you will have to say from the outside is the oil price is already always supply and demand driven. And that obviously in normal situation would be driven by economic fundamentals, the given strength of the economy at a given time. But then obviously what we've seen increasingly in recent years is that the micro also play its part. We have a very reassertive OPEC plus group of producers right now helping the price a bit along, ensuring a what they call a stable and balanced market. Market. I think probably right now the market is probably not that stable. It's probably not that balanced either. But at least we've seen prices as a result of that move higher. So you mentioned the US numbers and they tend to be in focus simply because it's the only place where we have real live data giving us some insights to the outlook. But that has obviously changed in recent years because it's become we have all these tanker trackers basically giving us almost live data in terms of shipments leaving and arriving ports. And that does also help uh, give us some insights and maybe thereby taking some of the weekly volatility out of numbers from the US because we have other data to lean on. But right now, I think we have a classical situation where the market is trying. We always have the dreadful situation in the Middle East. And the market is trying so far with a great deal of difficulty in pricing what that means for oil prices. Because what we have on one hand is a market where fundamentals are starting to show signs of weakness. We're seeing refinery margins come down. We are into the low season in terms of demand. And that does reduce refinery demand. That leaves more oil in the tanks. And that adds some downward pressure to prices. But at the same time, we're trying to quantify the impact of a supply disruption. And that's really where it becomes very difficult. And we're seeing these 5 to $10 moves right now which basically because the market is really struggling to find out what legs to stand on. Yeah, that's the interesting one with, you mentioned the geopolitical risks in the market, the risk premium. Often people talk about this, whether it's several dollars at the moment. We saw the risk premium with the Russia crisis in Ukraine and prices spiking up to $130 a barrel on that supply risk. How does the market price in a risk premium? How does it calculate that? Because obviously it all relates back to supply and the risk of supply outage. And how do you kind of understand that, take that away from sort of the economic drivers in the market? Is there a way of trying to add that sort of extra 3 to $5 or whatever it is in the market to that risk premium? It is extremely difficult, Paul, simply also from the fact that you know you're potentially paying a price which is not going to stick around if some of the worries that you're pricing doesn't materialize. And that's why right now what we're seeing is as well that this, the geopolitical risk premium can be added fairly quickly. We saw that at the beginning of October and at one point probably almost $10. Now it's settled in and moves like more in. We're taking $5 
out of the market and adding them back in again, depending on the news flow. And that's probably the current premium. But we also know that the prices at 90, we would not be at 90 if we did have a major disruption, then we probably would be 100 plus. It's almost like optionality that you are prepared to pay a premium to get an option for a significant upside. But at the same time, you're doing a delta hedging as soon as some news flows and points in the other direction. And we've seen that now for the past three weeks where Fridays have been really strong for the oil market. We've seen rallies hedging any weekend risks and only to be selling off on the Monday when news flow materialized not to be as price supportive as feared. And I think also what we experienced with the Ukraine, the Russian invasion into Ukraine, is how the market really got wrong-footed. So the same with the gas market in Europe. Gas prices should, at no point in this scenario did we run out of oil anywhere in the world. We did not run out of diesel or gasoline anywhere in the world. We did not run out of gas anywhere in the world. But nevertheless, the market priced in some extreme levels and some extreme risk. And I think probably maybe we learned a little bit from that lesson, simply that these premiums are very difficult to price, but at the same time also they can really be taken out very fast because you're pricing in something that has not yet materialized. Certainly a panic premium, probably with the Russia crisis at some point. It just shows the fundamentals get shoved to one side to sort of fear and, and a fear premium in the market. I wanted to talk a bit more on fundamentals. And the big theme was the past year or so has been inflation and interest rates and the drivers on oil prices. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because especially we look at the US and demand stays strong. It means higher inflation, which also feeds into higher interest rates. In one sense, that could be seen as in one sense, that could be seen as bearish, the idea of strong demand, but also the risk of the high interest rates are going to be higher and going to be needed longer to get inflation under control. How do you see that interplay between inflation, interest rates and oil prices, and especially going into 2024, how you think that may play out? The energy price is a major source leading into the inflation focus. We saw that earlier this year when Saudi Arabia announced these production cuts, Russia as well, where oil prices started to move higher. And that triggered a sell-off in the bond market, basically, and, and worries that the inflation was going to stick around for longer and be more and more intrinsic and more difficult to bring under control. The energy is more the driver of inflation than inflation is the driver of energy. That obviously takes the market to a point where if high energy prices is driving up inflation, thereby forcing central banks to apply the brakes even harder, then obviously at one point it'll become a negative. The impact will be a negative one. And that's potentially the one we are staring into next year, 2024. Where we are seeing signs of weakness, obviously, in Europe already. U.S. growth remains phenomenally strong relative to the expectations. But at the same time, we are seeing some signs that the economic slowdown is starting to materialize. And I think it's also partly some of the reason why the oil market is really struggling to hold on to these risk premiums because there are some worries about an incoming slowdown. So far, it's only seasonal. Whether it's more structural, that remains to be seen into next year. But I think the impact of what we have seen this past a few years with very high inflation, driving up bond yields to the highest levels in more than 20 years, that will eventually hurt the economic outlook and with that also potentially demand for energy. We will obviously focus a lot on Asia there as well because growth is still coming from especially China and India. So very important to see how China managed to get their economy under control or the property sector and the whole debt situation they have, they're dealing with as well. So I think for now, it's been a supporter. Energy price has been driving up inflation, but it's a potential next year. It could have the opposite impact. And I want to talk a little bit about demand destruction. There's often talk in the market. We touched upon the idea of $100 oil 
or maybe at these levels, at what point does demand destruction kick in and higher prices, the adage of higher prices, the cure for high oil prices is high oil prices. How much does that actually play out? And I hear talk of in the market about if prices rise slowly, that they may not cause demand destruction. There's been some analysts saying that, like maybe the parabolic frog, or is there an absolute level where at some point higher prices are just going to kick in and hurt people's spending and that kills demand i think what you just said paul i think makes really good sense that it's more the shock of a sudden spike than a slow moving price rise that the market respond to and consumers respond to we saw that with the gas crisis in europe where consumers really stepped up they all put on found their woolen jumpers and they found all sorts of measurements to cut down their demand simply because price had spiked to the level it had oil prices and with that related diesel and gasoline prices and heating fuel at these levels are probably not that negatively impacting demand. Although we have obviously seen the softness in the US gasoline demand, implied demand figures in the past couple of months, potentially indicating that we have reached a level where already some consumers are just thinking, having second thoughts about their habits. But I think at this point, we probably need to see it higher. But at the same time, it also, one thing is crude oil prices. Another thing is, what are the margins on gasoline and diesel and jet fuel and so on? And they obviously have been extremely high. So while crude oil was lingering in the 80s, and low 90s, we had uh, gasoline diesel trading somewhere above $100 barrel equivalent and $120 full stop. And that is obviously a much higher price. And so that's really where we should keep an eye on that. Part of the issue in the energy market is not only the availability of crude, it's also the availability of refinery capacity to basically make enough uh, fuel available because we are staring into a, I would say, still a number of years where demand, if anything, is still going to remain firm, perhaps still seeing small increases. We're seeing the punitive negative impact that the high interest rates have on the green transformation. A lot of these projects are struggling because the rapid rising funding costs and that potentially could delay the transformation process. And that will obviously leave us dependent on fossil fuel-based energy for longer than we might otherwise have experienced. I think that is part of the story as well. That's an interesting one. I just wanted to maybe touch upon that a little bit more. And what's your take on the idea of a super cycle theory of prices staying elevated for longer? You touched upon it there in your last answer. I just wanted to get your thoughts on actually an actual super cycle. If there's something you buy into this idea of elevated prices for a lot longer, this new dynamic. Yeah, well, what drives a super cycle? That's basically not only a question of demand remaining strong, but also obviously that the supply can keep up with demand. And I think that's really the reason why we see that whether it's a super cycle or not, how strong it's going to be, that obviously remains to be seen. But the prospect or the risk of higher commodity prices in the coming years is most certainly one that we favor over lower commodity prices. And part of that is obviously demand for some commodities, energy, I would say especially, and also industrial metals towards the green transformation, they will remain strong. At the same time, we have all the debates about investments, whether they're strong enough to ensure that we continue to find the oil that's required in the medium to long term. And I do understand if you are an oil major and you're looking at projects that may not start to pay back your investment for another five years, are you prepared to take the risk where if peak oil is around the corner? And that's really the big discussion and the big dilemma that many of these oil majors they do they have because at the same time they also have to show a greener credential so they have to uh, divert investments towards greener projects 
And I think overall that potentially could leave the market in a relatively tight spot in the coming years until we see that peak demand. So I think the energy sector will stay supported. The industrial metals will stay supported. And then we have relatively uncertain world that we experience right now. I think that's not going to go away. The fragmentation that we're seeing in all trading relationship and political relationships as well, that's something that plays into those looking for alternative investments in some like gold and other precious metals. So generally, yes, we believe that the cycle towards higher prices following that correction we had from the record peak last year, which lasted for well more than six months and now have started to show signs of recovering, that is one that will continue in 24. And basically, that we can have a higher commodity prices, even though we have a recessionary growth outlook or weak growth outlooks in certain areas of the world. It's an interesting point. And you mentioned earlier as well, and this speaks back into the point you just made now, which is, is there an idea of a balanced oil market and a sweet spot for oil prices, one where producers and consumers are kind of happy? It was talked about maybe a few years ago, 65 to 75 may have been a sweet spot or some people have talked about in the past a 55 to $60 long-term average for oil prices, but it seems to have shifted a little bit. Maybe the way OPEC and US Shale had a dynamic previously, which is no longer there in the same way. What's your take in the way the oil market shifts and a new balance or a new normal when people talk about balanced oil markets? It's quite a complex one to say, is this a balanced market? Exactly. But I think the only thing that we probably have, the only thing we almost can conclude from the price action and the news flow of the last six months put aside the current tension in the Middle East and what that may have as an impact on higher towards higher prices. I think the only thing we can conclude for now is that there is a flow in the market, or at least there is a perception of a flow in the market that will be defended by OPEC Plus, especially Saudi Arabia. They have fought tooth and nail and they yield the revenues, they cut production in order to keep prices above the 80 level. So I think that 75-80 level is a major line in the sand that, that will be defended if we should receive or whatever reason return to that level. And basically, that's meaning that we've now it looks like there is a sweet spot in the market where it's not too cold for the producers and it's not too hot for consumers. And that is probably in this $85, $95 brackets. And that obviously will shift over time. But I think the sweet spot, as we also talked about earlier, is also to do about getting used to a certain level. And it seems like we are getting used to this kind of level. And then obviously, we have the swings and roundabout in refinery margins, which ultimately really probably at the biggest level of volatility to what we are paying at the pump and how we as consumers perceive the level of energy or the price we have to pay for it. So right now, a sweet spot, but most certainly not a balanced market, I would say. I think we're still having a market that's having a deficit, but at the same time, the market is always trying to be, even though it is a spot market, as Goldman Sachs, Jeff Curry always said, it's a prompt market. That's what decides the, the market. The market is always, to a certain extent, also forward-looking, and they are looking into some economic weakness. And I think that's also important, too. We haven't talked about speculators at all. That's obviously a hot potato when it comes to some likes and some don't. I was one for a number of years when I traded in London. I know the kind of liquidity that we bring to the table, which makes the wheel go around for everyone. And at the same time, also just understanding that speculators, they do not start moves. They amplify them as long as the fundamentals or the price action dictates that's the direction they should be in. That's obviously resulted in some major shifts in and out of positioning. But I think overall, the hedge funds will, and speculators, these 
leverage funds in general, they will obviously first and foremost respond to the price, but then it will probably also have a little bit of an overlay in terms of economic outlook. If your economic macroeconomic outlook points to some weakness, you may not add to you may not go full in. You will reduce your position perhaps relative to what you otherwise would be adding. And that's one of the reasons why we positioning wise, even though we had this very strong rally in crude oil, which culminated a month ago before we settled into this area around the $90 level in Brent, the speculative interest was really quite lukewarm. There was not any aggressive buying. There was short covering, yes, that drove most of it. But uh, getting long was a bit more, uh, we didn't see that built to the extent that I would have expected, given the rally, how far we traveled. And that does tell me that they are also somewhat concerned about the macroeconomic outlook for next year. And that's preventing these speculative position really to extend to the level that could drive prices significantly higher. That's an interesting point. I wanted to get your thoughts on one other interesting topic that always seems to come back into the market, which is the relationship between the dollar and oil prices, the correlation, or is there more than just a correlation? What is the drivers that make this correlation work? How do you think it's, you follow the whole macro picture? Well, I think it's quite simple. If you're not dollar-based or we're living in a dollar-linked country or living in a country with a dollar-linked currency, you are responsive to dollar movements, especially the one we've seen this year where the dollar has been strengthened not only against some of the major currencies, but also a lot of emerging market currencies. That does obviously add additional price pressure to local inflation, to consumers and their ability to buy other stuff, apart from the necessities. Over time, a strong dollar will have an impact on demand. But from a trading perspective, I don't see many algos trying to respond to interday movements in the dollar. Right now, the correlation is close to zero because obviously there's other things going on in the oil market. But from a trading perspective, from interday volatility and interday movements, quite often we see those two play uh, go hand in hand because algorithms dictate a lot of the trading in the futures market these days. In uh, I think probably the biggest one is gold, where more than 6% probably don't have any human interaction at all. It's all machine-driven. Same goes for all futures, probably not to the same extent, but still algos looking for correlations. And the correlations come and go, and they work until they don't. Right now, it's most certainly not. The algos are not looking at the dollar as the source of inspiration, but that shifts over time. But from an overall perspective, most certainly it is ultimately what it costs, what your energy costs does also impact how you respond to price change. And if your local currency is weakening against the dollar at a time where oil prices are going up, then obviously the impact is being felt even harder. And just one last question, which is into 2024, do you see oil prices going above $100 a barrel in 2024? What's your view going into next year and a little bit further out, given you say about the tightness in the market? I think more of the same what we have right now. I'm probably a little bit more in the at more Citibank camp looking for potentially some weakness into next year because what we will find is basically that the market will try to figure out when can Saudi Arabia add barrels back into the market. They obviously yielded market share. How would that scenario look? And I think that potentially could add some downward pressure on the price. But obviously, the geopolitical situation is on top of everyone's mind right now. And that that basically uh, will keep these prices at these levels with the risk of an upside spike. But generally, I see it in this 82 to $95 bracket into next year. Thank you very much, Ole. Thanks for joining me today. Much appreciated. No problem at all. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ole. And thanks for listening to PE Live. For more information, please check out Petroleum Economist, Hydrogen Economist, and Carbon Economist.